0: Hi, I'm Margie Habert. I've been an acting coach for 30 years, helping actors find their personal power and learn to create. Let's face it, all of us need to let go of control, get rid of the straitjacket who we call our comfort zone and remove the walls that prevent us from being vulnerable. It's all about hope. So let's begin this journey together and give ourselves permission to fuck your comfort zone. I'm very happy to see you today and have the opportunity to interview this beautiful, even though you can't see her, she's quite beautiful, Aubrey Dollar. Uh, I'm just going to give a little background to my audience so that they know who you are. Uh, Aubrey is a Los Angeles-based actor who can be seen next in Netflix's upcoming film, The Pain Hustlers, starring Emily Blunt and Chris Evans. Quite lovely, those two people. Mm -hmm. She was recently a series regular on Fox's Filthy Rich opposite Kim Cottrell, who I just loved you in that.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: And she's fabulous. Previously, she starred in Vince Gillian's Battle Creek for CBS, and for those people who don't know, with my student, Josh Jamal, as well as the ABC drama Women's Murder Club and Fox's Point Pleasant. And she's had many feature credits, including Sea Girl Run, opposite Adam Scott, and Sony's Hard Luck with Wesley Snipes, and many guest stars and many theater things. And most important, I think the role that you have is the
1: role of a mom.
0: Oh yeah. Which which takes you to another plane, doesn't it? It
1: does. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> the whole of the world, isn't it? One would never understand. All mothers listening understand, maybe fathers. The, right.
1: That is the most insane role, isn't it? It is. And it, it's such a unique thing to instantly have in common with someone when you meet someone who's a mom. You just have the shared thing. Absolutely. So, hi. Hi.
0: <laughs> I know I see you all the time in class and we were saying, oh, we see each other, but we're in so much Zoom that we see so many boxes and now it's just you and me looking at each other.
1: I know it's How nice. and cool so many dynamic people in class. So I'm always, you know, like, I have something to say that's a value. <laughs> <laughs> and now I talk. It's lovely.
0: <laughs> you get me and I get you privately. Oh, so, so tell me how it all started. You, 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 um, you came from New York. I came from New York. Uh,
1: well, I, I started working in New York. I came from North Carolina. Oh um, yeah. So I was born in North Carolina. Um, and when I, I grew up, you know, I started just like most kids doing theater school plays. And then I asked my mom to take me to audition for, you know, the sound of music at our local theater and, uh, it started from there, and then North Carolina kind of got this cool film industry uh, in the '90s, and I started doing. You know, I did *Children of the Corn* Part Two was my first film. <laughs> oh, how old how old were you? I was
0: ten. Now yeah. I, I'm always curious with people with people that start young. Was it? What were the good and bad parts of that for
1: you? I would personally not let my child be in film and TV in, until mm-hmm. he is, you know, at least a teenager and really wants to do it. And it's coming from him. Um, for, for me, it was something that I wanted to do. And uh, I was a kid. You know, I was a very well behaved young kid. I was sort of a little adult. And I think that's the best kind of child actor. That's not like a natural way for a kid to be, though. Uh, so yeah. I think fitting yourself as a child into this adult space—it it does something, you know, strange to you. So you had—I mean, that's what fa- fascinates me—is that
0: in our childhood, basically, it—we it, become a, so much of a product of our child's life and what we what happened to us during our children, you know, during that time. So, what was what what happened to you that made a challenge for you?
1: Um, you know, I mean, I, I liked it too. I got to miss weeks of school. Uh, you okay. got to be in these cool places. Like when I was a, f- a freshman in high school, I shot a movie on this island in South Carolina and was gone for two months. And, you know, we were homeschooled and would go to the beach every day. And my grandparents came with me and it was sort of a dream. So I those are some of my best childhood memories too. Yeah. Um, but it, it is a, you know, professional adult job. So it's a strange thing just to do as a kid.
0: Do you feel like you lost out in some of your childhood stuff?
1: No, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't that successful as a little kid, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> thankfully, you know, um, uh-huh. So I, I, I don't really feel like I missed out on that much stuff. I think the the fear of letting my own kid go into it is like, oh God, what if he, you know, gets mm. a serious regular on a show and then I have I have to what? Not work and go with him. And I don't know. Oh. I feel like all of that is not, would not fit into our family very well. And we have enough actors in the family as it is. <laughs> well, who else is an actor in your family? My husband sometimes is an actor. Mm. Uh, he was on this the upcoming season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He will be on. Oh. Excellent. Okay, work. so you started out and you went, uh, then then you went to New York. Yes. Yeah, so then I studied theater at Boston University for two years in the BFA program. And then I decided to leave the BFA program and move to New York. Um, so what
0: made you decide to do that? That's interesting to me.
1: Well, I saw at, at that point, I, I did want to work professionally. And I saw, you know, there was so much stuff with people my age working and I desperately wanted to be doing it. Um, and I moved to New York just for the summer and I got a sublet and I had an agent in New York, um, who was sending me out on some stuff. And I thought, if I get a job, I'm going to take it as a sign and leave school. And I ended up getting this independent mm-hmm. film, and, you know, I deferred for a semester and then I got a contract role in a soap opera. And that was the first time I was sort of like making a living. And I just, and how old were you then? Uh, 22.
0: Wow. So 22 years old, you started doing the soap opera. You know, I find soap operas fascinating. I don't, I haven't interviewed a lot of people with soap operas, but I've had so many famous actors that are soap operas.
1: The most. Uh, fun. I had yeah. just a class doing that. I think I was kidnapped four times. Uh, <laughs> they wrote, they would just do this crazy stuff. They wrote me an eight page monologue one time that I did in a single take. I mean, you just, it's like doing a play every day. It's It's—it's wow. such, such a cool thing, especially for a young actor to do.
0: Yeah, and I remember when I used to go on set because all my I had probably everyone from Young and Restless. I mean, you name them Ashley uh Davidson, all of them were in, were Young and Restless and uh General Hospital all those. And what were you on? Guiding Light. Okay, Guiding Light. I the 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 technical aspect of it which is really challenging, I think, is when, when you have to end your particular slice mm-hmm. and you have to put a hold on it while they switch cameras. Talk about that.
1: I got a great piece of advice. Kim Zimmer was sort of the matriarch on Guiding Light and she's just a powerhouse. She's so good. But she said one time, she sort of said it as a joke, but it actually works because sometimes they tag on you and you don't know why. It'll be this giant group scene. And it's like, why is it on me right now? What what am I serving here? And she said, if you don't know what to do in that moment, just think, did I leave the oven on? Mm. <laughs> and it works, you know, it's just a moment sort of like a thought. Hmm, I don't know. <laughs>
0: well, that's a little different than the Margie Haber teaching, I believe. That would be let's that. fill in, let's do a personal thought versus maybe, maybe, God forbid, we do a thought for the characters thinking at that moment.
1: <laughs> but that exactly. is the way it's taught. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was what someone told me, but at, at times it, you know, it works because. Yeah. At times, it's it you have something you're responding to, and what's yeah. happening. But there's other times it just makes no sense that a camera's holding on you for seven seconds and you're not speaking.
0: And yeah, oh, it goes on forever and ever. And I, I'm I'm always fascinated because I when I worked with all my students, uh, I was always saying, if you don't have any thought, that's what I teach all the time. The thoughts and behavior are more important than the lines, right? So if this isn't a good example of people who just the cameras. So, so close up on you, and you're supposed to be thinking. And people's eyes are moving by themselves. <laughs> There's no thoughts. It's just a technical moment uh, that really, yeah, it's hysterical. Yeah. Really
1: and you funny. also have to, the other challenging thing is it, it was shot on a like a, a a stage where you have the cameras in front of you, so it's almost like a play where you have to play yeah. everything out to the cameras, and you would have to wait until your camera turned green before you would react. So sort of out of the corner of your eye while you're in it, you know, you're waiting for. The green to come on because it means it's on you, and then you have your reaction, and it's it's very weird.
0: Well, it's very technical in those things. You really have to be technically smart in it, right? And what about memorizing it? That would make me crazy.
1: I know. I mean, it's just every day, but you know, the short-term memory—it's a muscle, as they say—and it does reach a Mm. point. Even now, I have a—it's a weird party trick where I can read something twice and I I know it.
0: Well, I wish I was you. When next lifetime I come back, I'm going to be you because that would make me so, so happy. All right. So that's great. So you spent some very, uh, some really educated time doing that. And then what happened after that?
1: Then uh, I started doing Off Broadway theater while I was doing the soap. So you know it was crazy. I'd be at the soap in the morning and at the theater at night, and wow. it was I was running myself into the ground. But it was like you wanted to be an actor, and now you're doing it. So it was you know I was also so young. <laughs> I loved it. I don't know if I'd have the energy for that now. Um,
0: the th- theater is a whole other experience, isn't it? I mean, what do you because you do a lot of film and television? How do you see the difference between what do you in theater and film and TV when it comes to Uh, the acting part
1: of it? I mean, it mostly is technical. There's not a lot of difference in the acting part of it. I think what I enjoy more about theater is just the, the audience is there responding to you while it's happening and you learn so much from doing something in front of a live audience. So I love that. And I love the chance to sort of do the same thing every night you know, is so, you just get to go so much deeper into it than you get to on film and TV often. I I find myself desperate to go back and redo pieces that I've done on TV and you have, you know, we're losing our light and we have to wrap in five minutes and you have one take, go. Um, but yeah, you just get to get so much deeper into the work doing theater.
0: Yeah, I, I find that working with my students when they're on a play like with Brandon and when he was doing this play for four months, We get got to. I get to go like ten times and watch him and give him input and keep going on and changes as it goes along. And they learn so much. It's a great learning tool. But it's also, uh, I feel like, if you're a good actor on theater, you're a good actor in film and TV. There really is no difference, except that maybe in the uh, that letting the theater the people in more because you can't be maybe as intimate vocally. Is that what you think?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then, what happened to you after that?
1: So then I um, got a job on a a TV series, Point Pleasant. It was this Fox show. It came on after the OC. You know, it was like a teen beach drama and uh, went to San Diego and did that. And uh, then I guess working in TV kind of started from there. Um, And And you moved to L.A. Moved to L.A. I moved to L.A. LA for Battle Creek in 2015. Um, How funny is that when I didn't even know this? And Now that I think about it,
0: because, you know, when you're in my class, yeah. And uh, you haven't been in my class that long. And so when I when I don't even when I was working with Josh Tamal, mm-hmm. we there was a film I was working with him on and it was a terrific film. I was actually associate producer of the film. And then he we had such a love affair. We loved each other so much. We decided to do, work on Battle Creek. He just got that series, mm-hmm. Battle Creek. So I worked with him on
1: all the episodes.
0: It came to my house.
1: Funny. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> He's such a just a normal guy, you know? He's yeah. just such a such a just Midwestern dude and he came from the soap world as well. So I sort of knew yeah. him in that New York soap soap scene for a minute. Yeah, well
0: what was great about it for that we did together What Josh and I did together it was cuz you know, well Josh loved to write everything. Everything was right, 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 right. And what I did for him is get him up in his body, not write as much and live in the space more, be more physical so that you don't have to write, you know, I always say this, I don't know how you feel about this and I don't know if it's changed. I want to talk about that in class is that many actors feel they have to write like this whole, they call it backstory yeah, yeah. history of it. And they just write, 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 write. And I, instead, I prefer what I did with him is that he gets a diary and as the character, he writes something in there going, uh, I'm an intimate stuff. I, I, I'm so sick of this job or I really want to, I'm so lonely or whatever it is. I find that to be a much better way of what I call, you know, getting your, getting the juices going, right? Getting it going
1: you know it's something i appreciate about the way that you teach is is you give us a lot of agency and it's you know you you provide tools but it it doesn't some people like to write things down you know you're not asking what our homework is too much and i i i don't really like to write a bunch of stuff down when i'm creating i'm more Talk to myself and live in my brain and think about you know moments that may have happened and and live those and it, for me just having it in my body is better. It doesn't do me good. And when I write something down too, if I'm holding sides, particularly in an audition situation, sometimes I'll see it and it'll throw me and it's not where it it takes me out of where I am in the moment. I think.
0: I'm I'm the same way. That's great. Well, yes, it's it's the do's. I mean, you didn't know about the do's. Do the do's. I didn't. But I love. Tell me it. about that.
1: Yes. Doing the do's. I, I didn't know what that was. And that, that is, um, where you, you just do what you're doing. It helped me so much with in auditions, this idea of doing the do's and objects that you're working with rather mm. than props, because these were an, a new thing and self tapes were suddenly, you know, you would never bring a beer with you into an audition room. It would be an odd thing to do. Uh, so it was just strange to suddenly, I, I don't know. I f- it felt kind of shticky to me to have a like a little prop there that I was holding and pulling from off the side. And you know, I felt like I was it, I just felt embarrassed doing it. Um, yeah. and I was noticing on people's tapes they were doing it, but doing the do's and having these objects and just thinking about it as this is a world that I'm living in right now, and this is a thing that's in the world, it doesn't feel embarrassing anymore, you know, because there's a reason it's it's there, and when you have these. Moments in an audition slice. Um, <laughs> you just you do them and you live them. You know you do the dues. You don't halfway kind of. You know and it, it, you're you're. It just it it helped. It opened it up for me and it made it feel creative and not embarrassing.
0: <laughs> well, because we do that in class so much. But the you know, the thing about class, because of course you're in the Wednesday masterclass, which is some extremely talented people. Yes. And what's wonderful is we watch everybody do it and you see how they can bring in these, what I call objects. I, the reason why people have a problem is exactly what you said. They think of it as a prop and then it becomes technical. But what this object means, if I'm, uh, just for the audience to understand, I don't know if they really understand the do's. is like, if I'm a mom living a mother's life, right. And my child's in the hospital, then I have a little lamb a little stuffed lamb I have it right here with me and that stuffed lamb I kind of sleep with because it reminds me of her and it, it's that kind of so it's the object helps me do the do's do you yeah. know what I mean
1: I read somewhere that Meryl Streep does that or did that for oh. Kramer versus Kramer that she likes to have these objects in in the film sets that she's brought in that I think means something to to have there and that's cool I did that with
0: Tiffany when she was doing her series uh, recently and we worked on it and she had these dolls, these things that she would carry with it. And she kept it in her purse because it helped her to to live in the character's life. Yeah. If, if things are done technically, it doesn't feed you. If things right. are done to create you, it really feeds you, which I, which I think is, is great. And instead, I think, you know, someone said to me, how come you don't rehearse in class? I said, well, I love rehearsals. If you were doing a play, you know, and I, and I don't mind rehearsals, but I think people tend to be lazy and use the rehearsals instead of doing the dues. Get what I'm saying? Absolutely. What do you think about that?
1: I mean, I think there's something, you know, so much of class is about uh, being comfortable in the unknown and in the present moment. And if you're, you know, if, if the work you're doing is, well, I'm going to get together with this actor and we're going to read the slice five times and figure out everything we're doing that, that to me doesn't feel as helpful or as creative as just in my own work. I'm going to, you know, think about this life and this space that I'm in and what's happened in my relationship to this person. And then you get to bring all of that work and meet the other actor's work and something kind of magical can happen then.
0: And it's so magical in class. Look at we did Gone Girl for two months. Yes. That was insane, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. It was terrifying for me at first though, because it's such a different way of doing things. And I felt, you know, people use their space in such creative ways in the Zoom world. And I felt this pressure to like do broad strokes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't because I didn't want to seem afraid, you know. It was like, I will make choices and do things and I'm I'm not scared. I'm game. But it doesn't quite. <laughs> I felt I feel like I fell flat a few times, which was it's fun. It's also exciting to fall flat. You know, I had one of the gong -gong slices I did, and people didn't respond that well to it. And I was like, okay, wow, this class is going to tell tell it like it is. And uh, (laughs) I got knocked down a few pegs, and I'm going to you know learn something from this. But you know, you so good. I value that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's so good. I mean, no, I was an actor 120 years ago, and I remember I go to certain classes. They go, "Oh, that was wonderful." Next, "Oh, that's great." Next, "Oh, yeah, you're wonderful." Next, and then I go to classes where they were mean. Teachers were mean, and they just made me so scared, and I didn't want to even get up and do a scene, as they called it. I, 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 I like about my class is that it. I hope and I believe that's what you're saying. It stretches you out of your comfort zone. Yes. But it also is valid it validates you as well
1: oh absolutely it's it, it's a very supportive safe space where you know even when I talk about people not loving what I did, I still felt safe and supported and loved, and you know it was it, unlike I mean, I had some acting teachers in college who would just they it was like they wanted to break you down, yeah yeah and make you that. cry, and then that was somehow some sort of productive release because you're sobbing in a room full of people and I was like, well, I'm sobbing because you embarrassed me and I'm a teenager and you made me feel like I suck. I'm not sobbing for anything to do with what we're doing in class.
0: Oh, that is if any, anyone listening who might be a new actor. Please don't go to people that put you down and make you feel worse so that you can think that you're talented so they can get some emotion. I mean, that's just it's. I think it's sadistic that's and cute. it's not helpful. You know, it's abusive. And it happens all the time. Well, all right. So moving on, cause I've got lots of other things I want to talk to you about. I I'm very fascinated by uh, what it was like working with these people you worked with. I, I mean, first of all, yeah, the filthy rich was so fun to watch the family oh, yeah. dynamics.
1: No, yeah, You watched any of those. That's very nice. Yeah. That was a fun show. That was a, it was, you know, we were set, su- su- this big Southern family. We were in new Orleans Um, Kim Cattrall was this like matriarch. We ran this big Christian TV network, but you know, it just got bananas. The, the plot, I mean, we were, it, it, it went uh, totally off the rails. It was this like, talk about a soap opera, just wild, wild. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the audition for it? I do. Yeah. That was when we were auditioning in person. Um, and it was, (laughs) those were the days. Yeah, I know. You know, that was an interesting one for me though, because, My character was a fashion designer and I i don't i'm not good at it feels like particularly women in la are very good at coming in looking exactly like a person you know this character mm-hmm. i went to the audition and i had on you know a black t-shirt and jeans and had put on a little more makeup than normal but i was like i don't i'm not fashiony i don't know and i just looked at these other women and they looked like they had been professionally styled and i thought in the room there's no way i can't possibly get this because my clothes aren't nice enough and i don't know how to dress and they're all prettier than i am and my hair is terrible you know and i was just this negative well i wonder what voice that is in the five ego states what (laughs) voice is that that would be the critical parent that would be the critical parent yes Um, (laughs) you know it just doesn't matter because then you come in and it's 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 your essence and living the life of this person and no one's paying attention to you know how short your skirt is or what, you know, if your dress costs $500 or $20. And that was a nice lesson to me of just lay off myself about that. And that's not really, doesn't matter. doesn't matter what you wear to a Yeah. Point. Well, it. I think it to me, I, I take it to the point of what helps you
0: live a life. That's mm-hmm. my point. And, uh, if you, you know, you're going to be a doctor, you don't put on doctor, you put a stethoscope on you. You don't put that on you. I mean, someone, someone can be, hot looking in jeans and a t-shirt. I mean it's it's what is it how does it feed you?
1: Right? And yeah.
0: that to me is the much more important than how it affects them.
1: Yes. Yes. And a a critical parent trick that you talk about in your book that opened something up for me. Um and I think I did this in the room but I didn't quite know what I was doing is there's kind of a psychology trick where you can um you can like say okay I'm feeling not as good as these people and I'm living the life of this character now and when as this character you know the character's name was Rose when when as Rose has she felt this way and then you can kind of get into it that way so you welcome this vulnerability and this uncomfortable icky stuff can just make your work so much deeper if you welcome it in and don't cut yourself off and let it become I suck
0: that is so important, darling, because basically, what I talk about that's so important is you use your stuff, yeah, you know, and all people are imperfect. All human beings are basically fucked up. You know, we all have neuro neuroses, and where that's that's the the talent—that's the creativity. So when you try not to be have a critical parent, and try not to try to push it down and push down that fearful child, so that you can be together, human beings aren't together. So you're using this part of you as the human frailty we all go through.
1: That's it. Uh, you know, I had that experience on set recently when I was doing this film, and of course, I had you know one very big scene in this film. Other stuff. I was what big what? A big slice. I had a, oh, I can't believe I did that with you. Um, I had a very big slice in this film. And then, you know, I was like around and had smaller pieces and stuff. But Emily Blunt and I had this huge argument in one of the slices. And it was, you know, pages long. And Catherine O'Hara was in the scene as our mother. And, you know, I mean, I just they're such wonderful people that I, I look up to so much. Oh, for sure. Me. And it was, of course, the very first one I had to do. And I had gotten in at, you know, 9 p.m. and got a phone call. You have a 4.15 a.m. pickup. So I barely slept. And, you know, it's like, why is this first up? Oh, I just wish I had something smaller to do so I could get more comfortable before I get it. I'm just meeting these people. It's five o'clock in the morning. You know, I just felt not like my best self. And I wanted to be my best self and really centered when I did that. And I started reading your book in the trailer. And I- Oh, the book called Fuck Your Comfort Zone? Yes, I was reading Fuck Your Comfort Zone in the trailer. I was really just feeling terrified and looking for any. I was like, tell me how to not feel this way. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was reading about the embracing your. Oh, fear. read it. What were you what were you reading? Embracing Maybe you have do you have the book there. Yes, I of
0: course I have the book. And you have it wherever you go. It's a Bible. I try to tell people it's a Bible. It needs to go with you. Sit by your bed. Yes. Experience it. What is it? What's, what is
1: embrace your imperfections. Mistakes are your friends. So mistakes take you off autopilot and make you human. We're all terrified of making a mistake, but it's our mistakes that allow us to grow, be creative and be happy. So I think this idea of, okay, I'm tired. This is not the way that I thought I was going to feel going into this, but maybe this makes it more interesting. Maybe this will give it depth. Maybe I'm human, just like this character I'm playing is human. And let me step into her from the way that I'm feeling right now. Yes. Gosh, isn't it great that I'm feeling all of this stuff? Isn't it great that I'm alive and that I give a shit about this? And I have all of this going on inside of me. And don't we all have that? And isn't it sort of the most beautiful thing we can do in our work if we can share that in an honest way?
0: Such great advice. Really, Aubrey, such great advice. Because in the book, I talk about shifting your lens, you know, you shift it and that's what you did. You shifted it out of neutral. So the worst thing you can do, I talk about in uh, Fuck Your Comfort Zone is to stay in your comfort zone, to be neutral. So when when fear comes in, fear is not a bad thing. When fear comes in, like you experienced it right before, why did they have to give me this large one? Let me start out with a small one and then I can grow. That's, you know, that's your wish because maybe you'll be safe. That's your, that's a safe net, right? And most people, what happens to them is, uh, which is really harmful, is they'll shut down and they'll stay neutral. But what you did was you used all those feelings to be a part of humanity, which is what we love about it in the first place. Why would you want to shut down what we love about people? We love people's vulnerability. We love people's um, pushing through the discomfort, being able to live in discomfort is an important thing, and then pushing through it, which Mm -hmm. is just what you did. You were, you were, you had this discomfort and you stayed in it for a while and then you allowed yourself to go through it, to go through the discomfort.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Really beautiful. Thank you. Really. Oh, you
1: Georgie, that's
0: it. not, you can't do it. I'm on, I'm on, no, no, no. my dog is agreeing with you. All right. Hold on. <laughs> Please. I'm on, I'm on podcast. You can't make all this noise. Thank you. My dog on. Pod. Okay. So that's really great. I, I also think what's interesting is that what you, uh, I read about you, you told me was that you went and finished your degree in psychology. So this is what we're talking about right now, right here.
1: Yeah. Did you realize that? I do. I think that's one of the many reasons I love you so much. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I had, I, I don't know, you know, there were times particularly when things were slow for me and I've had a few just slow periods where I wasn't getting work for whatever reason. And, when I was younger, I used to really let that beat me down. And, you know, my whole self-worth seemed tied to if I get this job and of course nothing, will zap your creativity faster than that and your joy. And, um, but I, you know, I, I, I thought about switching careers a few times and it bothered me that I dropped out of college and didn't have a college degree because things just felt limited. And I remember my grandmother saying to me, before she passed you know she she was so supportive but she said I just can't understand that you had the opportunity to get a college degree and you chose not to yeah. and um so yeah dur- during one of these slow periods I decided to apply to schools and I ended up doing like it was an online thing but it was through uh the city through CUNY City University of New York so you know it was a legitimate program uh and they mm-hmm. had four majors you could do online and psychology seemed the most interesting so I picked that and then of course, as soon as I really got into that, I started working and I did a play and, you know, during tech, everyone's going out during the hour and a half dinner break. And I'm like taking a biology final <laughs> and I finished it when I was on battle Creek and I would bring my textbooks oh. with me in the trailer and, you know, I would be doing like statistics and writing psych papers while I was working, but I'm so glad I, I did that. You know, it was, yeah. it, and, and it ties into the work we do in so many ways. I didn't think about when I sort of just picked the major.
0: Well, it's. I say to people, you're going to go to college. You don't need to go to college to be to do the uh, be in film and TV or theater. Take psychology. Really learn about humanity and how human beings function. And what you know, what I really think about what my book is about is, if I know myself really well, I can live other people's lives. Right. So that's the psychology of of it all. And to me, I don't. people say, Oh, are you a therapist? Are you a shrink? I said, well, in a way I am. I'm a, I'm a person who understands human behavior and helps people to look at their truths, which I think is what's amazing. I, I always say what's amazing about class is the freedom people have um, to, to, to look at themselves. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. And the, the bravery, I mean, it's quite a courageous thing to do week after week. Yes. I was
0: going to ask you uh, as you were going along here, how the, how the class has changed you both creatively and personally
1: sure um, I mean I, I came to you because I was stuck in a rut and I, I hated self tapes when they first became all self tapes. Um, I felt and I think it had something to do with my theater background—that I felt walking into an audition room. I used to love when you would do the screen tests in front of, you know, like fifty execs on risers, and I was a weirdo who really liked doing that. Um, <laughs> Something—I don't know—it felt like being in front of an audience, in front of like a very bad audience at a Sunday matinee or something, and I just felt this inner like, "Oh, fuck you! You will like me," and I wasn't able to kind of, not to be too crass, but like get it up in a self tape. Yeah. just. Like yeah. in my son's playroom, reading with my husband. And I, 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 I don't, and then I had to watch them back and watching myself. Ugh, it just all this like narcissistic, insecure. It just got so icky for me. So I started getting self tapes on t- tape auditions and I would just feel this pit of dread. Like, Oh God, I have to do this this week. Oh God, I have to do this. And, um, No, you know, then I started asking, I I asked my manager, can you send me some tapes of people who have actually gotten jobs? Because I feel like I'm not even hearing anything back anymore. I've completely lost sight of what's good and what's not. And um, then I started thinking, well, maybe I need something creative to be doing that's not just make, not just auditioning. And I hadn't been in an acting class since I was in college. Um, And so, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. (laughs) Because there's some bad ones out there. There really are. There really I did one coaching session with uh Harold Guskin. Did you ever know him? Oh, anyway, he was this like big uh, acting, he was he's fabulous. He he passed. Um, but anyway, that I no acting classes and uh asked my manager and then she rep she represents Nick Jandall, who is also in our Wednesday class. Oh, so that's how you found out. That's about how I found me. you. Yeah, but I, I think being in it, it it's just it's made me enjoy creating again you know it just opened up this i remembered that it could be fun and i i i started feeling sort of excited when i would get things um not long after i took your master weekend i got just the most insane self tape i've ever had to do it was this horror thing and you know this it, it was these hippies and these animals are eating people and uh, it was just bananas and i had to <laughs> scream and cry the whole time but i couldn't wait to do it you know i thought oh this is going to be so much fun it's great that I get to do this today. Yeah. Um, I started finding joy in, in doing those things. And um, and the yeah. class
0: has that positive energy for it. So it helps you creatively and personally. And I, I was thinking about this. Uh, you mentioned that you were very much of a introvert. Yes. Uh, which is so interesting to me because I don't see that way. But wow. there's all pieces of ourselves, right? Yes, yes. And so many people, it's, I always, I'm always amazed. Like Heather Locklear was, an old student of mine in dynasty and, in uh, Melrose place. And she was an introvert. She'd sit in the corner and just hide under her, her sweatshirt. And uh, you, and then when she came up and did something creatively with me, changed completely. So the, I, I find it very fascinating about these people well, that are introverts. I am not one of those people. <laughs> I can say that what, you know, it's, I would think it'd be terrifying. So it, it I'm interested to understand that more.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of I think the fun of it. And yes, I am never happier than sitting alone in my bed with a cup of tea reading a book. I, I need that. Um, I get excited when my husband, you know, has plans one night. I'm like, oh, I get to be alone. You know, I, I mm. just love I love being by myself. And it is the hardest thing about being a parent for me, particularly during the pandemic, was I was never alone. Oof. I was never alone. And I I really yeah. need to be alone to recharge. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange career for someone. I don't enjoy being the center of attention. Um, I hate that, like, oh God, if you're on a set and there's a lot of background and you're walking in and everyone's like looking to see, you know, or you someone they know who, I, I hate, I hate it. I get so just my heart starts racing. I get so uncomfortable. I honestly think that I would abhor being a famous person, a public person, just, it would be awful for me. Um, so it's so, okay to be a, 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 a majorly working actor who's had made
0: many, many series regulars, <laughs> as long as people don't know who you are. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, I, I think well, fame order- is not your thing. Fame is not your thing.
1: I that's not the goal. No. I I, wow. I I'd like to, you know, I, I like to have a comfortable life. I like to, you know, have a nice home and I like to travel and adventure and all of that. But uh no, I, I think in order to be a very, very famous person. You have to really want that. You know, some people do, some people, I think love being a public person. I just, I know it would not be a fit for me. Um, but it's a strange, yeah. So uh, all of that said, it's a very strange thing that I chose this career, which is why sometimes I thought, should I go to grad school and maybe just be a psychology researcher? And I'd probably be happy doing that, but there is something so fun it's like you're constantly fucking your comfort zone every time you step into someone's life, and I I I don't feel nervous when I do that. Wow, yeah. So it's there's something of a relief to sort of put on this other skin and stand up in front of a group of people and you know say something. And it's 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 like you give yourself permission to turn parts of yourself off. I think um, <laughs> it's yeah. So true. And it's, I think it's the reason why people,
0: it's, it is the reason why people should become, uh, go into this business. Only that reason, because you can't control how much work you get. You can't control how famous you are. You can't control, but you can always live another person's life, whether it be in a short or whether it be in a film or, or a play or TV series. There's so many opportunities and you should enjoy that because that's all you got is the opportunity to live another person's life. We only have one life if you believe that. So why not yeah. live many lives?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. And that, and when you start looking at that as the goal, I can find happiness in my work. And yeah. it doesn't matter if I'm doing it in class or on a TV show. And you know, when I was 22 and I was defining my self-worth by whether I was a series regular on a show or whether I was cast in a film... I I was unhappy all the time. And then I would even, I remember the, the, the soap opera job was the first time I was able to pay my rent as an actor. And I got that job and I still felt depressed when I started the job. And it was like, well, wait, I thought I was going to be happy as soon as I was working as an actor and now I'm working and I still have all the same shit happening. So yeah, you have to, you have to do the, do the work. So that's the,
0: the way I'd like to end this uh, wonderful. It's been fabulous. I've been loving everything we did here today. I just love talking to you. You're so beautiful oh and dear. so, 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 you know, talented and humble. Uh, and I love that the fact that you have such a glow about you of the joy of creating, because that to me is the ultimate. So I'd like to end usually by asking advice. And I think there's, there you, you've given so much of it. Maybe you can put it into a little line or sentence of what it is that you want people to understand that could help them in this yeah. world
1: in this yeah. world I would say I don't know in this or anything you want to say it could be I for actors know. it could be anything you want to for say actors for the world um, uh, some I think it comes down to just authenticity you know and embracing who you are and I think the the key to Everything really is is not being afraid of your darkness, not being afraid of the kind of messier parts and and getting curious about them as you always say, curious about them with a real kindness and having compassion for yourself.
0: That's so beautiful, I can't even control it. To that's exactly what I teach. It's exactly what I love about you is to understand that it's all about curiosity. It's all about being empathetic to yourself, forgiving yourself and moving forward in creativity and your power. Yeah. Thank you for, so much for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: And Thank I hope you. everybody
0: enjoys, fuck your comfort zone and live your life.
1: Yes, buy it.
0: I hope today's podcast inspires you to stay open, let go of control, be present, and above all, be kind to yourself. If you'd like to explore more of my philosophy in the studio, go to margiehaber.com. And if you want to purchase a copy of my book, Buck Your Comfort Zone is available on Amazon. Stay tuned for our next episode.